0: Hey, good morning, Hillcrest. Uh, my name is David. Love being one of the pastors around here, and uh, this is my friend Will, who's joining us today as we've continued through uh, James. And, uh, and And he's wearing red, so I'm trying to figure out if that's Badger color or if that's Forty Nine er red
1: that you're wearing. No, no. Hey, I, I, I told the first service I'm colorblind. I thought it was I thought it was yellow. So. Thought it was yellow and gold. And <laughs> gold and green. There you go. Nice, nice. Well, if if you're
0: new around here, we love uh, just helping you take another step in the family. And so in the seat back in front of you, uh, there's a Connect card. Would love you to fill that out. Put that in uh, the uh, For God box over there, the offering box. Uh, And then in a couple weeks, February 20th, Uh, During this service, second service, we have uh, our step two of next steps uh, of just trying to take another step of getting to know people in the family and and hear what Hillcrest is about and and the mission we believe God is inviting us into. And then first Sunday of every month, step one, we just do a a brief uh, uh, meet and greet in uh, the resource room. So if you're new around here, we'd love to help you take another step. Uh, into Hillcrest and into this journey with Jesus, so we're excited for will to continue uh in James uh wrapping up this first section of James one one to, or two one to thirteen and uh and looking forward so let me pray for us as we jump in oh god you 're so good yeah. Thank you for the work you're doing in our church family and, and the privilege it is to, mm. to have uh, the Big C Church, to, to know you're doing things all over yeah. uh, the globe, in Wisconsin, uh, in, in Dane County, in the Midwest, and even uh, from time mm. to times in California. And so yeah. uh, encourage us with what you're doing in and through uh, what Will is going to share from your word this morning. Always yeah. for your glory, we pray. Amen.
1: Amen. Good morning, you guys nice well thanks again for having me uh and my lovely wife jessica uh we're in our second month of of marriage so we're excited about that um and yeah we 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 got here and it uh, we 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 got to say the weather is it's real over here this is real. <laughs> it's real i mean the, it was literally a digit it was it was two i'm like what Do is that even legal <laughs> you know so i got in the car like hey, keep it out like get it away hurry up you know so um, but no, we're excited to be here, um, and, uh, and I, was, I was listening to last week's um, service. Uh, uh, ben said that David's letting anybody on stage, and, and I just want to second that. It is true, um, but I will not be singing like David did last week, so you guys got to tune in tune into that message online if you want that. Um, but I want to start today off with a, um, a story. Um, I want to start it off with a story about a, um, an individual coach who had a very unique impact on my life, Um, being a a college athlete, um, uh, you know, you oftentimes find different coaches who who play different roles in your life. And this particular coach had a unique role in my life. Um, And and, and what was unique about his role in my life was his ability um, to to just kind of tell it how it is. I don't know if some of you guys got those people in your lives where they're just like, man, they just tell you how it is. Like, you know, you, hey, your breath is really not smelling good right now. So he was one of those type of coaches. And i never forget, I showed up to, to campus, uh, uh, you know, university uh, in California. And, um, you know, I was a transfer student in. And, you know, I was, uh, you know, s- uh, eight, 9% body fat, just running like a gazelle. And and I thought I was just that, that, that guy. And that's many donuts ago, obviously, but, um, he, I never forget. First day I get to the campus, he's standing around a bunch of other coaches and a bunch of other players, and he goes, "Hey, Willie, come here." And <laughs> then he goes, I, "I just hope you're not one of those look like Tarzan, play like Jane type of people." <laughs> you know, so, so he just he just had this way of just kind of telling it how it is. You know, so uh, second game of the season, um, I had I had a, uh, by the grace of God, I had a really good game the first game, and. Um, and then the coaches, and we fly up north to play a team up that way, and um, the coaches go, hey, Will, uh, we want you to give the, the, the kind of pre-game motivational speech. And uh, I'm like, man, I never did that before, but all right, I, I guess I can do it. So uh, game day comes. Um, I, I got about, you know, 100 people around me, trainers, coaches, players. They're all tuned in to, to, to my every uh, word, and, and I don't even remember what I said that day. But all I can remember was the response, right? Uh, the response was like, "Wow, let's go! I'm ready to run through a wall right now!" And I'm like, "This is really happening. This is cool!" <laughs> like, so I'm like really feeling real good about this moment, you know? And I get in front of the tunnel. You know how the players do it? They get in front of the tunnel. And they're like, "Let's go!" Like, and I got all these people behind me, and I'm like, "Yeah, let's do this!" And I'm like, "Let's go!" And I'm stumping this whole unit out, right, to go out here and try to win this game. And and in the midst of this experience. Coach Wood wants to give me a little advice. So he's way in the back somewhere, and all I keep hearing is well, well, And he's trying to get to the front of the line and get in front of everybody. And he's like, and I'm just like, who's calling me? But, you know, I'm focused focus this way. He gets all the way to the front of the line and could have said anything. <laughs> and in this moment, he goes, man, that was awesome. But now you got to back it up. And he gives me a pound. I'm like, uh, what a way to kill my moment. You know what I mean? Like, you could have said anything, but man, whoa, you got a way of, uh, of really telling it how it is. Um, and what was unique about that was that I think uh, the author of, of the book that you guys are in is is kind of driving home that same feel, that same perspective. You know, he's writing to this church, to these, to these, these Christians that are scattered abroad, and he's saying, hey, you guys have been and some unique experiences and you're going through some stuff. But now you got to back it up. Now you got to walk the talk. Uh, and that's a hard thing to grasp sometimes, right? Because uh, who wants to hear that right when you're in the midst of the moment and you're trying to just do what, you, what it is you need to do? And, and, and so I think that uh, that, you know, walk the talk or that, hey, now you got to back it up is ultimately what James is trying to convey. Um, James, big idea of this passage um, is James urges followers of Jesus to demonstrate their genuine faith in Christ. Tell them, hold on, I got it. Nah, no, just <laughs> that was perfect. I needed that, my man. Just, just tell them, hold on, I will get to them later. You know. So, no. But um, James urges the followers of Jesus um, to demonstrate their genuine faith in Christ by their actions. Um, this is this is huge. Look how he um, terms it, um, and I'm just going to go right to. Uh, chapter uh, two and I go right to the end of this. Um, He says, so speak and act as, uh, as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty for judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. So if you guys have been tracking in this particular series a couple weeks ago, you guys have been um, processing through this whole chapter and obviously James is basically saying, Hey, Um, Guys, don't show partiality. Love God. Love others. You know, don't show. And then he moves us to these last two verses. Um, But before we dive into these last two verses, I want to do a a small favor for you guys and pretty much um, ask a question. Have you ever been placed in a situation when your religious, political and or economic climate collided with your faith? Have you ever been placed in a situation where what you believe uh, from a fa- from your uh, you know, faith perspective, your religious, the religious setting or a political climate um, or economic climate collided with your faith? And, 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 and I, I have been I've been put in a few situations, but I give you guys a, a small story here. Um, you know, a while back, I was invited to a university. It was a huge donation um, event. And I was invited to come in and do what they call a blessing of gratitude, which is pretty much stand in front of the the, the, the the people there and basically just say, Hey, tell us how you're thankful, why you're thankful, and ultimately close in prayer. But the person that was inviting me in said, Hey, but one thing, you cannot close the prayer in Jesus' name. And I'm like, Whoa, what do you mean I can't close the prayer in Jesus' name? He says, Yeah, well, you know, we we got a bunch of people there, some from the Jewish background, and you know, and all of these different beliefs and practices and things like that. And we just don't want to offend anyone. And I said, like, doc, I'm not here to offend anyone, but you you want me to stand in front of a whole group of people and tell them why I'm thankful and not give credit where credit is due. Like, how can I, you know, do such a thing? And it was right in that moment, you know, uh, uh, the religious setting at that time, the political climate, the economic climate. He was trying to 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 raise some money for that department. And, and, and it was colliding with what it is, I believe. So I had to ultimately decline that offer and say, hey, look, I don't think that I'm at a place to stand in front of some people, talk about being thankful and then pray and not give credit where credit is due, because the believer cannot talk about being thankful without mentioning the name of Jesus Christ. Uh, so I think the reason I mentioned that story is because I want to honor the people in which I believe James was writing to at that time. And I promise you, once you dive into the, the, the setting and the background of who James is writing to, it'll open up that passage and we'll start to kind of place in all of these different requirements and ultimately things that James is trying to get these believers uh, to, to do or ways he's trying to get them to display their faith. So let's just uh, dig into the, 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 the setting here a little bit. The religious cl- uh, setting is difficult. James is writing to some, to, some, to some people that are in a very difficult place from a religious perspective. Jesus pops on the scene. He performed all of these great miracles. He did all of these great teachings. And we know that because people will say, who does things like this? Who speaks the way this person speaks? He's special. But we know that in the same perspective as people was embracing those teachings and those miracles, other people didn't. Because some of those people called the same teachings heresy, uh, a false teaching. Uh, Some of those same, uh, you know, in those same miracles, some of them said that they're of the devil. So even in people's ability to embrace these teachings, people were also denying these teachings and these uh, particular miracles. And it led people that followed Jesus Um, Because people were so passionate about the the, the Jewish tradition and belief, the Pharisees, Sadducees, and all of these other religious leaders at the time. They did anything they could to rid the community of people that followed Jesus. They were trying to keep their faith pure, and they were anti-people who followed Jesus. So the religious setting in which James is writing this letter is difficult. The political landscape is, 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 is rocky here. You see, if you don't recall, um, because of uh, these, the, the, the influence of these religious leaders, the, 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 the places that James was writing to was occupied under Ro- uh, Roman authority. It was dominated by Roman officials and government. And, and so, therefore, these government officials would do any and everything to appease and to please the, the, the religious leaders of that day. And this is ultimately why they brought uh, Jesus in front of Pilate, and Pilate was trying to please those religious leaders, and that eventually led to Jesus' crucifixion. So they were trying to do any and everything to keep these people uh, 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 calm and and keep them satisfied, and therefore, uh, the Christians got the brunt end of that. They got the rough end of the the bargain. So the, the people that James is writing to, their political landscape is rocky. The economic climate is cold. No pun intended. You know what I'm saying for that? I'm like, whoa, it's cold over here. I said, I told my babe, I said, babe, I'm putting in cold. I got to say it because this is this is cold over here. So, no, but 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 all jokes aside, the, the economic climate is is cold uh, uh, because of the the, the 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 Roman authorities, the domination of, of just this influence. Uh, uh, oftentimes, um, you know, they were wasn't in the best situation economically. The people that, uh, that James is writing to, uh, they also experience a famine. So they wasn't in the best situation, religiously, uh, politically, and economically. And, and James knows that. He's writing this letter with that in mind. Because James knows this. Because of these conditions, followers of Jesus were tempted tempted to compromise their values and their beliefs in order to escape persecution or to improve their economic situation. You see, he knew that pressure is going to make us focus on what's important or it's going to expose the authenticity of what we believe. You see, the best way I can describe this is, is, is you know, I'll use the illustration um, during the first service of a balloon. And, and when you what you fill that balloon up with, when you perk it, that's what comes out. So, you know, me being, you know, uh, of African descent, African-American descent, we, we like Kool-Aid, you know, and, and Kool-Aid, you know, if you put red Kool-Aid in a balloon, we fill it up. And if you pop it, what's going to come out? Red Kool-Aid. Somebody says strawberry. We don't call it strawberry. We call it red. And purple, you know, we we call it by the color, you know. If you put purple Kool-Aid in there, right, and then you pop it, what's going to come out? Purple Purple Kool-Aid. You see, there's a truth that's here that I'm trying to illustrate. You see, what's going to come out of the balloon the moment friction hits it is whatever you put in it. And James understands that. He says, guys, you're in a rough situation, but I promise you how you respond in this situation is vital because it's going to expose what it is you believe. And that I hold dear to my heart because what it is you believe came straight from the very mouth of Jesus Christ. It's what I've pledged my life to. And he's writing this letter to encourage these folks to say, Hey, guys, you're, 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 you're being placed right now in a situation in your time, in your life, where the, where the, 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 the the religious setting is unique. The political landscape is rocky and the economic situation is all over the place. But I promise you right now, there is no better time than right now to apply what it is you believe. So as we embrace the letter of James and we draw to this place of hearing from the very heartbeat of God, I think he's speaking directly to us today. Hillcrest Bible Church. (sighs) Christianity isn't becoming the most dominant thinking right now. The political landscape is all over the place. Your economic situation may be a little uncertain, but I promise you there is no better time than today than to apply what it is you have professed and believe. Because people are dependent upon it. So the question that James draws the believers to in this letter is drawing them to this question. What does genuine faith looks like? This is a question that has been a lifelong debate in Jesus's day, and it continues to be a lifelong debate in our day. As we sit around our coffee tables, as we sit around our our, our gatherings, as we continue to embrace and interact with different people from different walks of life, there's going to come this particular question. What does genuine faith in this person, Jesus Christ, look like? Some people say, hey, you got to act this way, you got to walk this way, talk this way, you got to act, you got to do this, you got to be, you got to, you got to, you know, this is what genuine faith in Jesus looks like. It's what we're dealing with today. But in my very brief time here, and I want it to be very brief because the weather is very cold. So I want to hurry up and get back to uh, some normal weather. No, I'm just playing you guys. a oh, joke. You know. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. I got you. So I-, I just want to give you real quick what Jesus told his followers what genuine faith looked like. And I'm I'm praying that that encourages you for for a brief moment. So let's just dive right into John chapter 13. Uh, Jesus is speaking here. He says, a new commandment I give you, give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, All people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. You see, right here where it says, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples. If you do this, have love for one another. You see, James understands that. And it's hard because sometimes in the Christian context, you can start to hear a lot of do, 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 do. James is trying to get us away from doing. He's trying to usher us into a place of being. But he understands that people have to hear do before they can even understand be. James knows that Jesus spoke these words because he probably was sitting around Jesus when he spoke it. And Jesus was saying, hey guys, you are my disciples, which means that you are the people who have chosen to uh, uh, go away from everything you believe and everything you've been brought up to believe and you've walked away from your jobs, you've walked away from everything to follow me, to call yourself a disciple. Disciples are people who say, hey, I'm going to give away everything to sit at the very feet of Jesus and receive from him on a consistent basis. And Jesus tells these people if you are mine, if you have walked away from everything and sit at my feet and you call yourself a disciple of mine, this is how the world will know that you belong to me by if you do this. It's not a bunch. It's not about hear and do. Jesus is saying, guys, this is this is important. They will know that you are mine. If this is what's taking place. And James is writing this letter. He's drafting this letter to all of these churches out here, and he's trying to get them to understand this because he knows that they're showing partiality. He's known, he's known that they're showing favoritism. Now, guys, everybody's tempted to do it, and I gave a, a very small, lighthearted uh, illustration of that in, in the first service. Uh, uh, um, guys, I was even, I'm tempted to do it. I do it. On, I do it. I do it. I'm tempted to do it. I struggle at it. And especially coming from my background, coaching. I never forget, I was telling, I was telling the first service this, that I was a, a head basketball coach for a private Christian high school. And, and, and we were an international school. And we didn't get too many athletes in there. And all, all of my kids were, you know, kind of small, uh, people that can barely speak English. And, and we were just, we, we were trying to get W's. We were just begging for a W. Man, I was like, man, just give me a W, God, Please. I'm telling you, I'm telling you. People would ask me, hey, hey, I would ask little kids, hey, can you say the alphabets for me? And they would skip over W. And i say, why do you skip over W? Because you don't know what that is. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's how, that's how much of a W we did not get. But one day, uh, uh, a coach um, uh, or the athletic director at that time said, hey, man, you got to get upstairs. The, the new students have just arrived, and I think you want to see this. And I'm like, man, get a coach. I don't you know, he's like, no, you got to get upstairs and see this. Uh, coach, you got And he, I mean, he finally got me off the desk, and I, and I went upstairs, and, and it was a big old gathering. So a lot of students was out there, and, and out of all of these students, I see a 6'10 international student. And it was just like, everything just got quiet. It was like David's song last week. I want to know what love is. Like... <laughs> You know, I'm just like, oh, man, this is it. Kids was walking up to me. I'm just like, no, get. I mean, just be quiet. Be quiet. Like, who is that kid right there? And I'm just like, people are walking up. I'm just sliding them out the way. Like, I don't even see you right now. You know, that's what's important. Um, I'm tempted to do it. And in that very moment, I did it. Now, that was a lighthearted situation. That was a lighthearted moment. But the truth is, 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 is partiality favoritism has a variety of different faces. And and it can be manifested in a variety of different ways, and and James knows this, and he uses a a unique situation to their content. But he is trying to drive home this important fact that when you show partiality, there's an issue. There's dangers to it. So I just want to give you real quick a couple dangers. It's not consistent with God's character. Partiality is not consistent with God's character. And and, and one of the best ways of illustrating this is is, is even in God choosing to bring his son to the world, Jesus Christ. He could have chosen a lot of ways to bring the king of kings, the Lord of lords, the creator of everything, the light, the door, the, the great shepherd the great I am. He could have chosen a variety of different ways to bring him to to communicate the specialness of Jesus. But he says, hey, I choose to show no partiality. And that king was born in a manger. It's not consistent with God's character. It's not found in scripture. And if it is, Uh, Obviously, in Scripture, it's 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 projected from this platform. You don't do it. It's not cool. Because at the core of it, it's sin. James, chapter two, verse nine states. But if you show partiality, you are committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. James understands that if you show partiality or favoritism, at its very core, it's sin. Also, Jesus did not model it, nor did he teach it, nor did he sh- uh, show us it. Or you know, he didn't show us it. He didn't model it. It, it, it wasn't in his teachings. It was, in, in fact, his teachings was the very opposite. When people were trying to get him to show partiality, it, it just wasn't in how he displayed his teachings. It wasn't how he displayed his life. And as believers today, that's crucial because we are, are so desirous to be more more and more Christ-like. And I got a lot of growing in that. Um, but the truth is, is if, we're, if our soul desires to be more and more Christ-like, showing partiality isn't it. Because at the very core, short partiality, our favoritism, is not love. It is not the loving thing to do. And James knows that because he knows that love is the game changer in the Christian faith. And let me show you why it's the game changer. I'm going to take you back to a conversation that Jesus is having with a group of people that James actually echoes in the passages in this very same chapter. James chapter 2, he goes on and say, hey, don't, love, don't show partiality. It's a sin. Love your neighbor as yourself. Have you guys heard that verse before? We're going to dive into that verse really quick because James understands genuine faith produces genuine love. Genuine faith produces genuine love. So let's dive right into that. And one of the scribes came up to uh, came up and heard them disputing with one another and seeing that he answered them. Well, asked him, which commandment is the most important of all? He asked him, he said, Jesus, which commandment singular is the most important of all? Jesus answered, the most important is hero Israel, the Lord, our God, the Lord is one and you shall love the Lord, your God with all your heart. With all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. And then he goes, the second is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. They're having this dispute. They're talking. They're saying, hey, which one is the greatest? Which one is the greatest commandment? And they walk up to Jesus. They said, Jesus, give us one. Jesus didn't give them one. He gave them two. He said, which commandment is the greatest? He didn't give them one in response. He gave them two in response. Now, the context here is Jesus is talking to a group of people who have dedicated their life to this particular verse. And Jesus knows this. He knows that the heartbeat of, of, of all that they do is dedicated to that particular verse. And they were so dedicated to it, they will get up every single morning and quote it so many times. And Jesus fully understood this. So he goes, hey, this is the greatest commandment. But then he goes on to say, but the second is this that you shall love the Lord your neighbor as, as, as yourself. Jesus has said, hey guys, you are very devoted to me and to loving God, so to speak. But if that does not extend to how you love others, you've missed it. Because what's happening in your prayer closet, in your church gatherings have to extend to your neighbor. It has to extend to those that don't think the way you think. Those that don't look the way you look, those that don't believe what you believe. It has to extend. It has to go from there into there. Now, now this is where I want to land with today, you guys, and this is where I want to encourage you. This is, the hard, this, is, this is why I think I came all the way to, to two-degree weather, you know? It's because of the responses that's about to occur. Look at how the people responded to Jesus. The scribes said to him, You are right, teacher. You have truly said that he is one and there is uh, no other besides him. You believe what we believe. Thank you, God. Thank you. Uh, 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 and, and to love him with all your heart and with all your understanding and with all your strength and, with, and to love your neighbor as yourself is much more than all the burnt offerings and sacrifices. Jesus, we agree. You, you got us. Yep, you're right. Um, we should be loving God and we should be loving others. Yep, you got it. Man, why didn't we think of that? We, we should be doing that. Yep, that's true. Uh, we should be loving each other. But, but that's not where I want to start and stop. Because I don't think that was the most important response here. I think the important response was Jesus' response. And I think it's right here where we tend to stop with these verses. Love God and love others. Love God and love others. But watch Jesus respond. And when Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. Jesus goes, hey, you think that's something? Let me tell you the heartbeat of why I'm here. He says, from the moment Jesus popped on the scene, he sat around and he taught people. He talked to them and and the thing that was on his heart always was this thing we call the kingdom of God. He sat around and he taught people about the kingdom. All of the great teachings as far as the, the Sermon on the Mount and all of these things was all centered on what is life like in the kingdom. People were so fascinated with this thing called the kingdom of God, they wanted to hear him speak about it 24-7. And in doing so, I mean, think about it. Even one of the, even one of the Bible verses that we quote all the time was centered on this very topic. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever, what, believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. That very same conversation was centered on the kingdom of God. A man named Nicodemus comes to Jesus tonight and says, Jesus, you're a great teacher. You're doing amazing things. No one teaches like you. Tell us about the kingdom. How does a person enter it? And then he goes on to say, hey, no one can enter without being born again. You got to be born again. It was all centered on the kingdom of God. Jesus pops on the scene and he says, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. He he sat around and he talked about it 24-7. It fascinated people, this, 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 this kingdom of God. This is what it was all about. And this is what has motivated and encouraged me today to come to try to encourage you because Paul understood this too. Everybody understood this. We are are citizens of the kingdom of God. Now notice I'm pulling this away from a to-do list right now. And I'm trying to bestow upon you what's rightfully yours. I'm not here to give you a to-do. I'm here to give you a to-be. I'm trying to bestow upon you, church, what is rightfully yours. Because uh, if, you, if you grasp the concept that, that, that I think Scripture is trying to lay in front of you, it will change who you are from the inside out. Because that's what kingdom literature is all about. If you think about it, Paul says it like this, but our citizenship is in heaven. He said, hey, I want you to think a certain way. Now, think, I, I want to just really dive into this for a small moment. Think about what a kingdom is. Think about that concept kingdom. And I'm, I'm going to give you a small definition. A kingdom is a governing influence of a king over a territory impacting the territory, influencing the territory with his will, his purpose, his intent. Producing a citizenship of people who reflects the king's culture, nature, and values. If I haven't preached enough, that right there alone is giving you what scripture is about. Because what if I was to tell you that the the scriptures is about a king and a kingdom? What if I was to tell you that the scriptures is about not only a king, a kingdom, but it's also about a royal people? Because he says he's the king of kings. What if I was also to tell you that it's also about a colonization project? A royal government? And a colonization project. How would that sit upon your heart, kingdom citizen? So let's, let me briefly explain it. A king is, is the king. And he has with him the presence of the king. He's the presence. He's the very essence of what the king is. And, and all that he is is who the king is. And he has a way of thinking, a way of acting, a way of doing things. And he chooses to bring his kingdom and establish his kingdom somewhere. And, and 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 so this is why he says, hey, I'm the kingdom of heaven, and he's going to bring the kingdom of God into planet Earth. He says, look, I'm going to establish my kingdom, but therefore something unique takes place whenever you declare independence from a kingdom. You see, when you declare independence from a king, kingdom, what you're ultimately saying as a citizen is, uh, 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 king, we do not want your way of thinking. We do not want your way of talking. Your way of acting, we do not want your culture here. So king, you have to go. And and what goes with the king is the ambassadors, the presence of the kingdom. Because it's the presence of the kingdom, the presence of this very king is what establishes the culture. You see, something unique took place at the fall. It was mankind saying, Hey, King, uh, 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 we don't want your way of thinking. We don't want your way of doing things. We actually believe we can do it ourselves and actually a little bit better. So, would you take your presence away? And then, so many thousands of years later, the good news pops up <laughs> that the kingdom of heaven has returned the king has returned and, 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 and with that he says hey hey I'm going to bring my way of thinking my way of talking my way of walking my way of responding my way of embracing people my way of loving people You are going to be citizens of my kingdom, and citizens of my kingdom are a certain way. Citizens of my kingdom produce certain things, and they produce the fruit of my presence. Because wherever the king's presence is, that's where the king culture lies. So therefore, he says, "Hey, I must leave so that I can give you something, and that that I'm going to give you upon your belief in me will be that thing that will call unto remembrance the words in which I've spoken." But come, attached to that is my way of thinking my way of living my way of walking because therefore paul says it over in a couple of chapters later or in in another book he says hey for the fruits of the spirit is love joy peace long suffering all those things that encompasses god and his culture is wrapped up inside that down payment so he says therefore if you have that kingdom then this is what will be produced from it the very nature of the kingdom has arrived And it's with each and every one of us. You see, this is why James goes on this ledge to say, hey, it's important that you display love here. No matter what the climate is, no matter what religion uh, perspectives that are out there, no matter what the political landscape is like, no matter what the economic situation is, this is why it's vital that you display who you are. Because your citizenship is not of this world. You should be operating from a total different paradigm. And the paradigm in which you're operating from, no one can just take from you. Paul says, count it all joy. I mean, they say count it all joy. The same people who's writing this stuff to say count it all joy is not in a physical strong condition. Some of these same people will go on to be beheaded a little bit later. Jesus says, peace, I leave with you. Why is he saying peace, I leave with you? When we know that he couldn't be talking about their physical situation. Because the same people he's saying, peace, I leave with you, are the same people who's about to go on and be beheaded. But he understands there's something deeper here that I'm trying to get my citizen to understand. That your citizenship, your power is not wrapped up in the things and conditions of this world, but it's wrapped up in the things and conditions of heaven. Of who I am and all that I am. He knows that there is a difference between religion religion. And kingdom. He's drawn us from this place of saying, hey, it is not about a religion. It's about a kingdom. Religion will stand up and say, do, 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 do. Kingdom says, be. Religion says, hey, love, love, love. You don't, I don't care that you disagree. Love them anyway. I don't care that you that you think the 49ers are the best team in the world. Love them anyway. No, no pun intended, David. He's a Vikings fan. I don't know how you guys let that dude. <laughs> nah, I just Love them anyway, right? That's what the scriptures is driving home uh, that that the that 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 religion will say, do, 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 and and because of these systems that we put in place, uh, therefore the the response will be love. Kingdom says, no, we don't love because you're telling us to do it. We love because that's who we are. It's a part of our culture. So we're not loving because you're telling me to love because you put the system in place on how to love. We're loving because that's what kingdom citizens do. It's a kingdom mindset that that the writers is trying to bring us to. Your citizenship is in heaven. What does it look like to walk, talk, and act like citizens of a kingdom? Total different response. Because people depend upon that. Especially in today's environment. I never forget I was um, um, serving homeless veterans in a very rough part of uh, um, California uh, on downtown Skid Row. I don't know if any of you have, have heard of that, but I was serving homeless veterans down there, and i never forget, I, we had a floor of about 40 to 50 homeless vets, and one of the guys that was in there was a, was a believer. He was a profound believer, and he would walk up and down the floor, and he would always tell people about Jesus, and he knew just about every verse you can think of, and he knew the Greek and this and that. He knew the context. He knew it all. And, and one day, I heard him arguing with another guy named Bob. Now, Bob is this very soft-spoken, very gentle, really cool dude, and and, and I'm like, man, I've never seen Bob get angry. So I call Bob. I say, Bob, come into the office and let's talk. Bob, what's going on? And he says, Will, this guy comes in here every single day, and he tells us to be this and do that, and he gives us all these Bible verses, and he tells us about love and this and that and that and and this. And I said, well, what's what's wrong with that, Bob? And he goes, Will, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. You see, he was at this place where he said, listen, uh, what you know can only take you so far down the rabbit hole. But I got to be at a place where I can experience the love of Christ through you. Because that's what creates the difference between a kingdom citizen and any other citizen. That's my amen. Hallelujah. You give me my amen. Yeah, I like it. So byproducts of the kingdom of God are right, byproducts of being a kingdom citizen. The first one is this. Kingdom citizens walk the talk. We, 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 we live out what it is, not saying that it's not difficult, not saying that it's not challenging. I think uh, the writer knows here that it is difficult. It can be challenging, but it does not neglect the fact that we are called to walk out what it is we profess. So speak and act as those who are being judged under the law of liberty. He said, hey, if you have experienced this, uh, uh, then the actions shall dictate it. Because there's something really cool about when a, a, a free person encounters a, a, a non-free person. There's a unique interaction that has to take place. The free person immediately has to look at the, the at the person that's not free and go, there's something unique about that person. They seemed..." Shackled, they seemed weighed down they, because they are operating in freedom. They know what it's like to be in freedom. So they're looking at the person that's not in freedom saying "There's something about that person. That's man. They're not they don't have this this peace about them. And then the, it's something about the, the, the person that's, that is maybe enslaved or in, in a dark place. And they're looking at the free person going, it's something about that person. That's different. I mean, they're not shackled, and they're not weighed down, and they're not something unique about them. Kingdom citizens pay it forward. They they, they, they pay it forward. They give to others what they have given, been given. Whether that's grace, whether it's mercy, whether that's uh, forgiveness, whether that's love, like they do it because it's who they are. Their lives is an overflow expression of what God is doing within. And, And guys, I can go on and on and on about how I've seen this displayed in my life in ways that I never thought I would see it. Like I never thought I would encounter. I never forget. I was telling um, another group I was talking to. I encountered someone who 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 had a very unique background and upbringing, and 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 they saw life differently from a different perspective, and they saw it in such a unique perspective. They were willing to tell me how they saw life, and who they thought was superior and who they thought wasn't superior. And and, and, and and I never forget. And, and, and I, I encountered this, this 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 particular individual, and and he goes, "I'm just gonna tell you straight up, man. I, I'm I feel this way. I don't like blacks. I don't like uh, uh, Hispanics." I, and I'm just like, "Whoa, whoa! I've never been, <sighs> bro. I love you anyway. I love you anyway." Then he walk he walks off one day, and, and and every day I came into the office, I would just tell him, "Man, what's up, Pat? I love you." And he says, man, see, that's what I'm talking about, man. You're, you're, you're probably one of those Christian people, huh? And we and we sat down and, and we talked. And we talked and I said, Pat, I wouldn't I wouldn't I wouldn't judge you any way. Tell me your upbringing. Tell me your background. See, I had to hear something that I that I that 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 that, that urged me a little bit, but it wasn't what I was hearing it was what the situation was calling for. The situation was calling for me to display something that I had been reaping the benefits of since I had pledged my life to Christ, which is grace and mercy. My life was totally rocked and changed from the inside out the moment I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And how dare me be the person who have reaped the benefits of grace and mercy my whole life and be placed in a situation where a word that was spoken unto me allowed me to withheld the grace and mercy. That had impacted my life. I was placed in a situation where I had to pay it forward. <sighs> Look how Paul says it here. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins. And when she once walked following the, 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 the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience By grace, you have been saved and raised up and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that in the coming of ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. By grace, you have been saved through faith. And now it is your own doing and it is the it is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works so that no one may boast. For we are his worksmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You were in this state. You were dead. You could not save yourself. That is the condition of being dead. That is what makes dead so dangerous. And I use the illustration in the first service. It's like a zombie. It's the best way I can describe it, you guys. I'm sorry, I have no other (laughs) better illustration, but it's like a zombie. You think about a zombie, a zombie don't know that they're dead. They come towards you and you can shoot their arm off and they just keep coming. Right? I love that picture illustration. Because it's illustrating who we were outside of Christ. Paul says that you were dead. But God, being rich in mercy, so therefore there's a state in which you are in, you cannot save yourself. So any motion that I put towards the dead person is an act of grace and mercy because I don't have to do it. You can stay there and not even know you're in that state. But because of my grace and mercy, I'm going to reach out to you and I'm going to do something very awesome and unique. I'm going to raise you with me so that you can share the life in which I now and have been living since the beginning of time. It's the blessing, being raised with Christ, to be able to share that, that life. (sighs) Citizens of the kingdom of God, pay it forward. And last but not least, kingdom citizens love others. Look how the writer states it here. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him. Whoever loves God must also love his brother. Love is the is the pulse, it's the thing that is woven throughout Christian community. It's the thing that begins to separate the 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 the, the, the Christian believer from all others. Is that there is a community that should be established and developed here that does not uh, 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 say, hey, let's border off the walls and let's just make sure we're in here kind of loving each other. And no, 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 no. There is a love that exists within this community that says, hey, you can't help but to want to give it. You can't help but to display it to others. Because if you have truly experienced the kingdom of God, then there should be a response. The Bible says the kingdom of God is like a man who discovered a field and then went and sold everything and then just to partake of that field. There was a natural response that occurred. And the scriptures is clear that those who love Christ, those who have the Holy Spirit has to do what the Holy Spirit does, which is love. It has to be there. It has to be a byproduct. So James in this book is saying, guys, I got to do this because I know you're tempted to not display it. I know you're tempted to not want to uh, do it. I know. But guys, this is vital. This is crucial to who you are inside the kingdom. People are looking at you and they need to see a difference. They don't need to see you acting as if the world acts. And you want to know something? That's not even what the Messiah was telling us to do. The Messiah was telling us that hey, the kingdom of God is like a mustard suit that starts small and it expands. The kingdom of God is like a person who who forgives and turns the other cheek. The kingdom of God is like those who serve. The kingdom of God is like this. The kingdom of God is like this. Guys, the kingdom of God is countercultural. It's not what you think it is when you're experiencing and the uniqueness of your own situation, but the kingdom of God is so much different and better. So therefore, walk out that citizenship. Live that. Live it. Embrace it. For that kingdom come, live it out. Keep ushering in his kingdom. Keep having a kingdom mindset because it's through that kingdom mindset. Ultimately, God is reaching the world. Let me pray for us. Dear Heavenly Father, uh, you're great. You're good. You're awesome. You are a wonderful, amazing God. We just pray and ask that you continue to just, yeah, God, just just show us areas um, that we may just need to, um, yeah, just walk the talk. We don't know God what that looks like. Um God, we just pray uh for just your help in that. Whatever that may look like and be. God, we also just we just seek opportunities, God. Would you show us ways that you want us to to just pay it forward? Whether that be um you know, uh a monetary uh like coffee that's purchased that a you know and just paying that forward, or whether that just be with loving someone, um, or, or showing grace or forgiveness to someone that that ultimately, um, yeah, you you, you we're battling with, with, with displaying it to, um, how do we pay it forward? What it is you have given us, would you, uh, help us and show us ways that we can do that? Uh, whether that's just peace, uh, just being. Um, uh, providing peace, um, just being that person that people seek because it's just something about them that's just peaceful and they just like having them around even in the the midst of their situation. Um, Whatever that looks like, God, we just pray. And ultimately, God, would you continue to to love through us? Um, Loving others can be hard. It's challenging, um, especially when uh, situations um, does not um, make it easy. Uh, God, would you help us to, to just love others in such a way that it will not only impact us personally, um, but it also impact those who, who, who are ultimately um, experiencing that love. So we thank you, we thank you, we thank you for all that you've done for us. You're an amazing and awesome God. Uh, now, would you bless this time of worship as we get to incline our hearts and our minds to you and worship you, the King of Kings, uh, the Lord of lords, uh, the creator of all things. Would you bless this time as we now get to turn our incline our hearts and our mind uh, in a posture of, of, of just worship and prayer. So uh, bless this time, and we thank you in Jesus' wonderful name for all that you are, all that you're doing, and all that you will do. In Jesus' wonderful name we pray. Amen. Amen.